we are as a society, as a nation, as a world, not just one bright idea away from a better world. You know, what would get us to a better world would be a, a national, a statewide, a global commitment to loving everybody with dignity, to striving for justice, right? So that's not just an idea. The idea has a part of it, but idea won't take you the whole way. We've got lots of bright people all over the world working really hard, but there's the, a lack of will to love. This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm Melissa Rao, and this is a conversation inspired by Four Faith, a weekly devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. Hey, Bishop. Hey. You called this week's devotion builds. <laughs> and, uh, very brief. It's based off of 1 Corinthians chapter 8, 1 through 13. And it's all about love. And you start, uh, your your opening line of your devotion is, you say, the Bible is timeless because humans are consistent. Yep. Can you, can yep. you unpack that statement? Just oh my God, bit? it stands alone, but I mean, I'll, I'll try. <laughs> it does. Well, I it mean, does. Well, here's, I, I guess, here's, here's what I'm curious about is I think you choose your words very intentionally. And this is a standalone statement. It's kind of a duh, but you name it anyway. Yeah. How come? Well, I, I hear people <clears throat> and even some people in the church talk about, you know, we're, we're, you know, we don't need to read the Bible. I can have my faith without the Bible, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I think that's completely wrongheaded. I mean, you know, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you want to take a resource? Why wouldn't you want to use the collected uh, experiences of, with all of its flaws, why wouldn't you want to use the collected experience of people with the divine um, and, and, and bring the best of that into your life? Understand it deeply, understand that some of its history and some of its hyperbole um, and uh, some of its poetry, uh, some of its prose. I mean, why wouldn't you want to use that for your life? I think you wouldn't want to use that for your life because you don't. It's it's not that you're afraid of the scholarly complications of the whole thing. It's, just, it's you you don't want that mirror. Mm-hmm. You know you don't want the mirror, and I think the mirror is critical now, perhaps now more than ever. And I say that because society's gone off rails. It's all about us. It's all about pride. It's all about ego. It's all about me and mine and those who agree with me. Uh, opinion has overcome facts. Uh, we don't do a good job reflecting. We're so busy that we're constantly distracted. We don't have time. We don't make time to catch up with ourselves. And uh, we don't have, uh, uh, you know, the wherewithal, I think. It's not an expectation in society now to develop the wherewithal to slow down, to consider yourself in relationship to these words like uh, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Look, information and wisdom are two different things. Mm-hmm. And so we're we are in an ocean of information and praise be to God, we have this great tool, this technology, right? But but it has its limitations and even has its pitfalls. So I like the Bible uh, and I read that along with lots of other things, but the Bible is timeless and it will continue to be timeless because it knows us better than we want to know ourselves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, somehow I wonder if, if some folks think that we've like evolved beyond the need for the sure. wisdom of the Bible, yeah, right? Sure. One of my favorite periods of time to study is uh, the Middle Ages. Yeah. Um, you know, pre-Renaissance, and I think it's maybe, maybe not the 
the longest irony living, I think, Jerusalem is, <laughs> the city of peace. But no, I, I think it's weird that some so many people call that time the dark ages. Like people were not as evolved or as wise or smart as we are. And I got to tell you, Bishop, because I, I kind of feel like sometimes I feel like we are living in dark ages. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think every every society always looks back and and, and wonders if if we are now not the new and improved, uh, but but one wonders when when you dive deep into the you know the richness of these stories uh, and these sayings, uh, you start to see the genius of the ancients, um, and you you see the sort of uh, the deep deep thought uh, and the relationships. Um, you know, that, uh, that people have had with the divine and culture. Look, we also need to say too, there's misogyny in this book. Um, we need to say that, that there's what we would call now homophobism in this book. Uh, and, and I think that's why we don't turn away from it. We go deeper into it and we begin to understand that these people were also limited like, as we are limited. Uh, their viewpoints were limited as, as our viewpoints are limited. Uh, and yet there is something, I think, uh, there is treasure here. There is still treasure here. Uh, and so I think that the Bible actually turns in on itself and it gives us the ability to interrogate notions like misogyny and homophobism by its own words. Um, and, uh, and so I love that about it. But it's, it's, look, it's not for people who want just a thin veneer of spirituality, right? And this is what Paul is actually saying to the church in Corinth. It's saying, hey, look, you guys are a bright, you guys are a bright bunch, you guys are quite accomplished. You've got all the scholarly you know, accolades and ch- achievements, but knowledge has its limits, right? And what we need to do to build ourselves up, to build one another up, to build our society up, we need love. Love is God's most adaptive technology. I love that because I'm thinking, okay, what is technology? Yeah. Technology is a tool yeah. to achieve something. Yes. And so my wonder is, is love the tool or is it the outcome or is it both? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love is the means and the ends. And look, haven't, haven't, haven't we, am I the only sinner on the call here? Haven't, <laughs> haven't we wrecked enough stuff with ego and information alone? And haven't we learned as we age that uh, one can be candid and kind uh, that, that one can be uh, truthful and gentle. Now, these are harder things to hold together. It is true. I personally struggle to hold these things together as well as I would like, but nevertheless, that is the work. And when we temper even the hardest truths with love, we find out that if that's what we're really after, if we're after destroying somebody, then don't worry about anything I'm saying. But if the ultimate goal is solutions and you know, increased strength, uh, and uh, in- increased uh, community well-being, then this is the way we go. And that's what Paul is trying to tell uh, this very talented group uh, in Corinth, is, is that, look, uh, knowledge is half the way. That's only a bus that'll take you half the distance. If you want to go the whole distance, if you want to sort of fill all the cracks and the gaps, then you've got to bring love. Now, what, why we don't do that is that it slows everything down, right? Because I've got to hear from you. I've got to get a sense of your journey. I've got to get a sense of your of your um, of your failings and of your pains and grieves. I've got to I've got to get to know you. 
uh, and uh, rather than just run roughshod over you. You know, here's what the Bible knows that we need to hear again, that we are as a society, as a nation, as a world, not just one bright idea away from a better world. We're not. We're not. What we are, you know, what would get us to a better world would be, you know, a, a national, a statewide, a global uh, commitment uh, to loving everybody with dignity, uh, to striving for justice, right? So that's not just an idea, right? The idea has a part of it, but idea won't take you the whole way. We've got lots of bright people all over the world working really hard, but there's the, a lack of will to love. And we're looking for excuses not to love this one or that one or asylum seekers at our borders or the gay ones or the trans ones or the black ones uh, or the ones who enjoy the benefit of white privilege. Uh, we're looking for excuses uh, not to love people. And, you know, the Bible just says, well, good luck with that. Uh, that won't get you where you really want to go. Yeah. I think sometimes we like uh, reduce love to just this idea and uh, gosh, uh, love to me spoken later in, in, in a later chapter by Paul is that love is blameless. Love doesn't find fault. Yeah. Wow. That is huge. Love doesn't find fault. And so what <laughs> happens when we start picking apart people's anything they do? right? Like we're so critical and we're so quick to blame and point out shortcomings and failings of where people miss the mark. We're afraid. We're We're afraid. We're we're just afraid. We're afraid. And I I think we need to interrogate our own selves here. I mean, we we always want to look out to society real fast, right? Because it's easy to do. I think we need to look at what we're afraid of because, you know, the larger fear looms in your life, you know, the smaller love will loom. Right, those two things can't occupy the same pace, same space at the same time. Right, uh, to all my science-minded people, it's, that's not true. So, what love does is it casts out fear, and so you know it may sound like you know church talk to some people, but the truth of the matter is, is that when our commitment to love and love as Jesus has embodied it continues to grow, then we purge ourselves of fear, and then we find ourselves in a situation where it is easier and better to be neighborly with people, all kinds of people, right? And I think that's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, yeah, anybody can sort of develop this perfect society for just a a chosen few, right? Um, But, you know, the work is, uh, can we uh, work on the well-being of the entire world? And if we're going to do that, we're going to have to bother ourselves with notions like, again, justice and dignity. Uh, And we're going to have to, you know, bring our brains uh, and our souls to work here. I think this is what Paul is saying. It's both brain and soul work. Uh, and if you just try to do it on brain, it'll only take you so far. And you can't just do it on soul. This is not a, an invitation to kumbaya either. It has to be. Look, one of the reasons why I, I love uh, the Episcopal Church is because it recognizes intellect as a faith organ, right? Uh, we, we're talking about uh, reason, uh, tradition, and scripture. When those three come together, then we've got this wonderful trifecta. Uh, and so this is what I think Paul is saying. He's just simply saying out of love, not scolding. He's simply saying, you know, uh, this idea of information is only going to take you so far. At some point, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to, as you like to say, Melissa, you're going to have to dirty your hands 
with what it means to be in relationship with real people. Well, on, on that note, we'll be right back <laughs> after a short break. Hi, listeners. Thank you for listening to Four People, a space of digital evangelism. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. And now back to Four People. Welcome back to Four People. Bishop, love is a big concept, and I think we miss the mark oftentimes more than we hit it. <laughs> sure. Where is fear? I don't know. Maybe maybe we need to give George Lucas, um, that great theologian, more kudos because you mentioned fear before the break. That fear is often the thing that gets in the way of us loving. So maybe the opposite of love isn't actually hate or indifference, but it's actually fear. Yeah. I think we're all afraid and we're all afraid of different things. Yeah. And so I guess I'm wondering, what are the things that we can do to diminish the fear that we're all dealing with? Jesus always named the demon before he cast it out. Mm. And so, I mean, the invitation in 2024 is for you to get real, real brave, real, real brave, and to name what you're afraid of, right? Abandonment, scarcity, loneliness, um, whatever it is. And I, I think once we name it, then we're on our way uh, to holding it uh, maybe as a legitimate concern or maybe as a family of origin issue or whatever it is. But now we're on our way to then applying the medicine of love, right? So what does God have to say about our fears? And I think, you know, one of the things that it bothers me a lot is, is that we let fear have the last word. It's like it's like fear is the plenary speaker of our of our life, right? We just we let fear just do all the talking. And again, as we talked a little bit about the Bible here, so this is one of the reasons why Scripture is such an important resource to us. So, what does the Bible have to say? What is what have people for six eight thousand years had to say back to fear? And and you know, just gorge ourselves on that. I, I think that's what we're talking about here. And so, other than that, you you know, you're going to have to if you don't do this kind of work, then you're going to be a slave to your fears. And what's interesting about modern life is, is that we package our fears so wonderfully well, don't we? Mm -hmm. We package our fears and we dress them up in Chanel or Brooks Brothers or whatever your thing is, uh, but they are still nevertheless fear. And we know it in the quietness of our heart, on the, you know, in the quietness of the nighttime when we're laying on our bed, we know we're afraid, right? And so God doesn't want you to live that way, right? There is a resource. Why wouldn't you take the medicine when you know the medicine is good for you, right? And so this is what Paul is trying to say is that the medicine for our relationships, the medicine for our uh, our good work to do, you know, our continued quest after a better world and society has to do with love. Now, here's what I hate about this kind of a conversation is immediately people start to think I'm talking about some sort of syrupy sentimentalism and I'm not, you know, and this is why I wanted to, you know, conclude this uh, meditation with, you know, love is God's best and most adaptive technology. It, it holds mass buoyancy, elasticity, rigidity. I mean, love makes you courageous. Uh, love gives you, um, you know, helps you to sort of move into a space where you can love yourself and love neighbor enough to have the difficult conversation. Uh, love has uh, an economic component. Uh, how do we share? How do we give? How do we spend dollars? I mean, you know, it goes on and on and on and on. So, you know, Michael Curry, God bless our presiding bishop who recentered the name of Jesus in the church and also began to talk about you know, and make his case for love, right? 
And, and, and so the question that we now have to, to go forward with, having being the beneficiaries of, of Bishop Curry's uh, sort of recentering of all this is, is that what does love require of me right now? That's the question for 2024. Not only what am I afraid of, but what does love require of me? You know, and I think these are worthwhile meditations. What does it require of me at my address right now? In my marriage right now, in my relationship to my children right now, what does love require of me as I look at my uh, at my bank balance? What does love require of me? I mean, I think this is what we don't want. Perhaps we want it to stay as a sentimental idea because we know that this notion of love actually touching ground in our real lives is going to change us. And we don't, and, and we were reluctant. We're reluctant. You know, Here, here's, you know, I've said this before and it, it continues to be an animating thing for me. It's Jesus's words. If, uh, you know, if you are clothed, if, if, if I've clothed the lilies with beauty and splendor, how much more do I love you? Right. And if I watch over every sparrow, right, how much more do I love you? And then the connection to that piece is, so don't you worry. Right. So we're supposed to be overwhelmed by the love of God in real and practical ways, such that it says something back to the things that we're afraid of. And that's how we move newly into the new year. And so, you know, I I think Jesus is on to something here. And that's what Paul wants for this community. Remember, these words that that Paul is using are for a community that finds itself divided, that finds itself backbiting. Right, that finds itself tra- trapped in you know cycles of hypocrisy uh, and superiority and and sad hierarchy, uh, hierarchy, and and to that he says, yeah, knowledge is great, it just won't get you all the way home. I love it. I I'm I'm thinking of the calisthenics you suggested in a number of other podcasts. It's you know it's 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 up and up and down, down and in, and then out. Right, like you know, I feel like God. We know that God loves us. This is nothing new. And yet we don't tap it. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? I mean, and so it, it and it's so hard. And I, I'm, look, I mean, I've, I've, I lived my own, I've lived my own journey. I'm living my own journey. I've had the privilege of sitting with people and them sharing, you know, intimate details of their own journey. And, uh, you know, I just don't know a better technology. I mean, you know, to love myself enough to get to the therapist, to love myself enough to get to the doctor, to love myself enough. Uh, to have the candid conversations that I need to have, um, you know, there's that, but also to love my neighbor as much as I know that God loves me. Therefore, I share. Therefore, I spend my time in certain ways. Uh, therefore, I strive after justice. Uh, therefore, you know, I, I mean, it, it is it is a it is a formula uh, for life that makes everything green and growing. I love that. I, I have a friend who says uh, Jesus gives love its heartbeat. <laughs> I love that so much. I love it. I love the poetry. I mean, however we say it, however we say it, I don't know where the wellspring of life is if it's not here. I don't know where it is. Well, we, we, we need to remember to access it, but it's that fear thing, Bishop, when you said, tell the truth. I bet you, if we could be more open to telling the truth, even in community, gosh, the strength that can be nurtured or cultivated in a community with leaders who are, who are brave enough to tell the truth. Well, this is why the prophets, this is why the prophets are so important because the prophets are not sort of just, 
you know, old men, old gruff old gruff old men with long white beards who are finger waggers, but they love they love the Lord and they love the community so much that they take the risk of telling the truth. They do what we call spiritual pattern recognition. They realize how we get off the rails and they love us enough to tell us. You know, when I was when I was growing up, um, uh, love would, in, you know, I was told that love would tell you things um, that other people wouldn't tell you. You know, other people might shine you on because of whatever reason, but love would say, you know, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? Uh, I'm not a perfect person and you're not a perfect person, but I just want to reflect this back to you. And so what the last thing I would say about all of that is, is that I think it's the spirit in which you tell people things. And so when we get people in the room trying to tell the truth, I think we ought to. I think we need candor, but it needs to be held together with kindness, candor and kindness, because otherwise, you know, I, I'm afraid we get into rooms and we just throw Molotov cocktails at people, right? And, and, and there's no building up in that. And Paul's interested in the building up. And so can I do the work, which involves prayer in it before I say anything to somebody else, which involves study of scripture, which involves maybe even conversation with others before I start lobbing things into the middle of the room? Can I temper that? Not diminish it, but can I temper it? Can I season it with love? And if I do, St. Paul says, then we build up. And I think, I hope that's what we want. We want to build up and not just be puffed up in our own egos. Amen to that. Bishop, thank you. And listeners, thank you for listening to Four People. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.